Welcome back to the Marnie Blick Tapes, the crime podcast that follows the cases of Marnie Blick, a prodigious private detective that was active during the mid-90s to early 2000s. We have compiled a collection of files that Marnie kept and stored for each case. Why did she have those? Well, Marnie had an unfortunate accident that left her paralyzed from the waist down. And after a short hiatus, she returned with Finn Graham, an assistant she hired to go out to do the fieldwork. Finn would go out in person and interview suspects and witnesses and report back to Marnie. And lucky for us, Marnie kept detailed records of all this. So that's what you'll be listening to, a retelling of the case with the help of the recordings, the phone calls, tapes and interviews, and our narration in between. And if you're new to this podcast, then we actually recommend listening to the prior episode, as this is the second part to a case about a murder teen that was found outside of her family's church. If you're all caught up, then without further ado, here's the second chapter of the case we've named The Troubling Trial of Henry Watts. This is Leonard Campbell, the victim's father. This was the only intelligible part of his testimony on the day of Henry's trial, as the tape we found was barely audible apart from this. The trial took place on January 16, 1997. Normally, a case like this would take place with around six months between the arrest and the trial start. But the popularity of the South Atlanta church and its relation to the victim put pressure to set a date as quickly as possible. The DA also happened to be up for re-election, which added to the need to address the issue. Not to mention the inability for the Wattses to pay for Henry's bond. Bottom line, there was no reason for the defense or prosecution to prolong the trial. So as we dive into cases, Antonius and I get to learn more and more about the criminal justice system. And for this case, we learned much more about the prosecution process. Ultimately, a defendant's fate lies within the hands of the jury. Facts don't necessarily matter if the story isn't appealing or satisfying to the jurors. Of course, facts can help back up or sell the story, but ultimately, you are at the mercy of the jury. It was a Thursday, and the trial began at approximately 7.30 a.m. and was concluded the next day. The courtroom was packed, and with the uproar in the community, there was a lot of media attention as well. It was odd, as both parties were members of the same church, the same community. So although Henry recognized most of the faces, he didn't know if they were with him or against him. The prosecution had a lack of motive, so the story they provided was that Henry was in love with Jennifer. They had known each other since the first grade, and Henry's infatuation started then. They claimed it grew and grew, becoming an obsession. And after years and years of infatuation, he was finally able to give her his number after being assigned to the same group. And later that night, he confessed his love. But after being rejected, Henry snapped, picked up a rock, and bashed Jennifer in the head, killing her. The prosecution had no answers for the noise complaints, the time discrepancy between the murder and the drive to the church. There was no evidence-backed love interest. The prosecution wasn't even aware she actually had a boyfriend. 
Tommy Ferguson. However, as we said earlier, it does not matter about the evidence you bring forth. What matters is the story. And with 20 to 25 years of Henry's life on the line, the stakes couldn't be higher. Now, Marty is waiting to hear the verdict from Finn. Yeah, but not when someone I know is on trial. Uh, I see. Well, I'm glad that it went well. Fuck yes. (laughs) Okay, okay. Well, go grab some food. I'm sure you're starving. Yes, ma'am. Don't forget the receipt this time. Oh, I won't. I won't. I'm sorry about that. The call between Marnie and Finn you just heard would have been right after Henry's court case. And in case you were wondering, Finn ordered a BLT. Priced at six fifty plus tax. What you'll be hearing now is the call between Marnie and the officially innocent Henry Watts. This is a few hours later from the Watts' landline. What's up, Marnie? It's Henry. Hi. Congratulations. <laughs> Marnie, I appreciate you. I, I am I am truly without words and <clears throat> man, I've never been this happy. You should never have had to go through that. Yeah, but it's cool though. I, I think I think God wanted this, so I can learn from it. That is a great outlook on life, Henry. Yeah, I think so. I'm blessed. I'm so happy for you. Okay, and again, thank you, Marty. You are the absolute best. I'm going to send you something. I don't know what I'll send, but I'll send something. (laughs) Okay. From what we could collect, that was the end of the trial. Henry would go back to school soon after. And so that's where we'll end the troubling trial of Henry Watts. But where we'll start the troubling trial of Henry Watts, justice for Jay. The following day, Finn went out to conduct his in-person interviews, while Marnie made a very bold phone call. She called Leonard Campbell, the father of Jennifer. The man you heard earlier speaking ill of Henry at trial. Campbell speaking. Hello, am I speaking with Leonard Campbell? Who am I speaking with? Hi, this is Marnie Blick. I was the detective that was looking into your daughter's case. Hello? Mr. Campbell. I cannot believe that you have the gall to call this number. I, I know you're upset, but the reality is Henry is innocent. And your daughter's killer is still out there. I cannot believe you. I understand that you thought... I didn't think... You, you let my daughter's murderer walk out of that courtroom. Mr. Campbell, if you could please... You should be ashamed of yourself. If you could... Do not call this number again, okay? Do not try to contact us, and if I see you anywhere near my property, I swear... Mr. Campbell, I know you can't understand this right now, but... Don't cause any more harm than you already have. Henry is innocent, and I want to help you. It seemed that the Campbells wouldn't be helping Marnie out with her case anytime soon. But that was just a small hurdle in the investigation. 
Marnie directed her attention to the strip club. After getting the contact information from B and agreeing to keeping the girl's identity a secret, they began contacting the dancers. As you can imagine, the girls all had interesting stories of their own, but none really pertained to Jennifer. The following interview is with a dancer named Jade. She's in her mid-twenties and says she dances on the weekends because it's the best way to make money. She was also the closest with Jennifer and often gave her rides to the club. Yeah, it helps. I mean, I think. Okay, so back to Jennifer. You said there weren't any changes in her behavior or attitude leading up to her death. I mean, yeah, not from what I could tell. I mean, she was acting like she always does. Were there any clientele that took to Jennifer? I'm sure. I mean, everyone's got their taste. Like, some guys like someone like me. And, you know, others like girls like her, you know? So, like, I mean, everyone has their own preferences. Right. But you never saw anyone who took a special liking to her? Um, I mean, not that I could think of. Okay. What about someone disliking her? Yeah, some people prefer, like, shorter girls or, like... Girls with... Oh, I'm sorry. I I actually meant that... Did she have any conflict or disagreement with any other patrons? Oh, like, did she get into an argument? No, not that I can remember. I mean, she's my girl. I would remember that kind of thing. Okay, I'll check with B. Has B told you about the private events we have? No, he hasn't. Well... I mean, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, but, I mean, we have these private events sometimes, and Jennifer went to one, so. Did something happen? I probably shouldn't say this, but she left early. Oh. I think she recognized somebody. Okay. Um, did she mention who she recognized? No. I could ask some of the girls, but if she didn't tell me, then, I mean, I doubt she told anybody. Right, okay. Can you please ask, just in case? Okay. But yeah, sometimes that happens, so... <laughs> I mean, we'll recognize someone, and... Well, not everyone is, like, okay with being known as a stripper, so... Yeah, I can see how that happens. I mean, I don't really care, but... I mean, I'm not normal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to Jennifer. When she recognized someone, how did she react to that? Well, me and another girl were in a lobby, and she kind of ran over and said she has to go. You know, and I asked her why, and she said she'd tell me later. The lobby of the club? Uh, no, these private events are held at a hotel. How did you know she recognized someone? She told me later. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think her boyfriend picked her up from the hotel. Uh, which hotel? Well, you had to ask me. I'm not sure if we're allowed to say, you know, like, I mean, I don't care, but B might, so you might need to ask. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll check with him. Did you know Tommy well? Who's Tommy? Oh, Jennifer's boyfriend. Oh, no. I mean, I, I didn't know, I didn't know his name, but... Uh, right. <laughs> Okay, so Jennifer recognized someone. She left and presumably got 
picked up by her boyfriend. Yeah. But, um, I mean, that's what that's what she told me. Was anyone upset that Jennifer wasn't there? I don't think they noticed. Okay. There were like ten of us, so I think they weren't looking for more. So. Did you recognize any of them? Well, part of these events is that you got to wear a mask, so no. Masks? What do you mean? Um, like, I mean, maybe I'm not, I'm not supposed to say this. Uh, you know what? Just forget I said anything. I'm just... No, I think that could be important. Look, just talk to me first. Then if if I get the okay, then we're, we're good. Because I feel like I just didn't say it too much. Okay. Do you know what the date was of this event? No, not off the top of my head, but... Oh, I think I can, I can check with the girls, too. Oh, yeah, thank you. And thanks for taking the time. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you. You know, I hope I hope all this helps. While Marnie and Finn continued their investigation, the conversation around the case began to change. At the beginning, the narrative being told in the community was that this was a relief. An innocent young black man had been saved from an unfair conviction. But as time went on, opinions shifted. Pastor Leonard Campbell, Jennifer's father, had a lot of influence in the area. And although the jury had been convinced of Henry's innocence, Leonard believed that his daughter's murderer had been let out of the courtroom's door that day. The Campbell family began a campaign, Justice for Jay. There would be protests outside of the police station every weekend, some of them even ending up outside of the Watts' home, leading the Watts to eventually getting a restraining order against the Campbells. Because of this, it seemed that Marnie began to worry about Henry and his family. She had Finn drop off dinner or groceries every so often. Henry and Marnie spoke almost daily, sometimes about the investigation and sometimes just about how life was going. Here's one of those conversations. Hey, how's it going? Life is great, Marnie. What's good? Oh, wow. That's great to hear. Of course. Every day is a blessing. Finn told me about a, a protest, so I was just checking in. Oh. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, there haven't been protests over here for a while. What about at school? Nope. School's going good, too. Some kids give me, you know, long looks sometimes, but that's nothing I can't handle. That's so good to hear. Yeah, so what's up with you? I was just checking in and... Wanted to know if you uh, spoke to Jared. Oh, yeah. Uh, shoot. I think he said that he knew Tommy and that he was... said it was kind of strange. Like, hmm. didn't have any friends and didn't hang out with many people. I, mean, I think he may have said that... I think he said he sold weed or something like that. Okay. Shoot. Uh, l- l- let me ask him when he gets home tonight. Thank you. Yeah, that's my bad. Oh, that's all right. Besides that, how's band going? Surprisingly, it's... It's good. Really good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy I joined. Really? That's great to hear. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I can't go play that piano now, so keyboard it is. Right. No more breaking into places. Never again. Good. I learned my lesson. You do not have to tell me twice. Thank God. Yeah, yeah. So, you and Jared are doing good? How's Mom and Dad? Yeah, both are really good, and um, they're healthy. God is great. 
Remember Tommy Ferguson? He was Jennifer's secret boyfriend. Initially, Marnie had made contact under the guise of being a reporter. But this time, Finn reached out as a detective. And without any trepidation, he agreed to an interview. He told Finn to meet him at a nearby park. There were only a couple of contacts that knew of Tommy and Jennifer. And they all seemed to say the same thing about Tommy. Druggy, odd, loner were the words most often associated with him. Even his parents hadn't seen him since he dropped out of college. It seemed like once he had independence, he cut all ties with his family. Finn's description also included similar words like stoner and strange, but uniquely included the word charming. It's been good weather for the park, right? Yeah, it's really nice. So we were informed that you were in a relationship with Jennifer Campbell? Yeah, you, you could say that. Did you notice any differences leading up to her passing? Nah, man, she seemed like her normal self. Do you remember anything unusual? Like maybe a, a bad day at work or at school? Nah, like I said, she was being her normal self. That's interesting because we were actually told that you had to come pick her up from work. Yeah, I do that a lot. Sometimes she gets rivaled a co-worker, but I mean, I'll pick her up quite a few times. No, I meant, do you remember a time where you had to pick Jennifer up from a hotel? Maybe. Because I was told that Jennifer recognized someone and got distressed, so she called you for a ride. Ah, uh, you're right. Yeah, I, I, sorry, I, I forgot about that. Could you tell me a little bit about that day? Yeah, she, uh, I remember her being pretty upset. She didn't really tell me what exactly went on, but I think you're right. She saw someone she knew and just wanted to get up out of there. But she didn't mention who she saw. <clears throat> Did she? Nah. She never told me and I didn't want to bring it up. Did she cry? Nah, it was more like anger. That's why I didn't want to bring it up, really. Could you tell me the date this happened? Nah, but I could maybe figure it out if I really thought about it. Okay. If it comes to mind, please reach out. All right, cool. So, did Jennifer get angry often? Sometimes. She had a small temper, I'd say. Was that a problem in your relationship? <clears throat> nah, actually, what? I kind of like it. You liked it when she got mad. I mean, like, I'm not scared of emotions. I like passionate people. Um, even when it's anger, it's like, it's like a fuel. So why not bring it up again, if you like it? What? No, that's sick. You can't mess with people like that. But you liked her anger, right? Yes. I, I mean, if it comes naturally. Oh, okay. My mistake. So did anything change between then and now? What, since Jan died? No, I'm sorry. Since she had the incident at the hotel, did anything uh, change in her behavior since, uh, since the time you had to pick her up? Um, no, nah, not that I can think of. She kept working then? Yeah, she still worked, but I don't think she did any more private events. Because she didn't want to be recognized? I guess. So. Plus, she started taking way more, way more money. Uh, how much more? Man, maybe like a few thousand a month. That's a lot more money. Hell yeah. Do you know why she made that much more? My guess is they got busier at the club. Is that what she told you? Yeah, I mean, it seemed kind of weird, but I really didn't want to ask. Why not? I mean, well, she just told me she was busier, and I just believed her. Mm. 
Is that weird or something? I, I didn't say that. Oh, all right. And this was soon after the hotel incident, right? Yeah, it was It was around then. Do you ever get jealous? No, nah, not really. Why? Well, well, I know you're fine with Jennifer dancing and everything. Yeah, it's just another, like, way of expressing yourself. But I'm just thinking of reasons why someone will get a significant amount more money working at a strip club. Like I said, man, I think they just got busy. Totally possible. Did Jennifer ever talk about her, um, her clients? Yeah, sometimes. Any names in particular? Uh, no. Not that I can remember. Because I imagine that someone would pay more depending on what they would get. Oh, nah, she didn't do anything like that. I think you'd be surprised at what someone will do for a certain price. No, and you don't know Jen. She wouldn't do that. Would that have bothered you? No. Really? It would have bothered me. Nah, I know what we had. It's very big of you. Most people wouldn't feel the same. Mm-hmm. Did you or Jennifer make any big purchases with the money? Nah. Like I told you before, we were saving up to go to New York. Any big withdrawals? Nope. Not for me. Mm. Now that I think about it, I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused. When we looked into Jennifer's financial record, it didn't seem to match what you're telling me. Her accounts didn't have that much money in it. Well, yeah, that's, that's because I had it. You have the money she made from stripping. Yeah, I got it. Why would you have it? I told you, we were saving up to go to live in New York. So we were saving together. So Jennifer's savings is all at your home right now? Yeah, it's weird having it. I don't really know what to do. Yeah, well, it should probably go to her family. Nah, her family don't support her. Why do you think she kept it with me? But it's her family, don't you think it should go to them? Man, I'd rather donate that money to charity. It is not theirs. I understand. It's Jennifer's, and she kept it with me. She wanted me to have it, and I know that. Okay, so you had a recent interview with the police, the day before yesterday, I believe. Yeah, I had to go downtown. Right, and according to the report, it says here that- According to the police report, Tommy claims to have been home the night of Jennifer's death. Unfortunately for Tommy, this could not be corroborated by his neighbors or any friends. This happens often in cases. For instance, where were you last night at one in the morning? Sleeping? Can you prove that? Unless you live with someone, it can be very difficult to have a solid alibi, especially in the wee hours of the night. We bring this up because according to Finn's notes, he would always write down alibi with a check or an X next to it, right at the top of the page before starting an interview. We were pretty busy then, I think. Busier than normal? Uh, maybe. This is B again, the manager of the strip club that Jennifer worked at. Finn had just driven over for a follow-up hey, interview. you're here like every day. Yeah, it's my job. You're gonna have to start paying soon. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking about what you were asking for, and I thought that the timestamps could help you. Yes, if we could get a copy of them, that'd be great. I don't know if I can do that, but I'll check with my boss. Well, the more information that we have, the more likely we can figure this out. Roger. I just need to check with the boss. So the reason I'm asking all this is actually because... Well, I'm sorry, you said you were busier, right? Yes, from what I can remember. Actually, I'm, I'm sorry. Did Jennifer get... Was she was she a popular girl? Uh, yeah, fairly popular. What does that mean? Um, she was, like, decently popular. Nothing out of the ordinary. So she Let's just say she wasn't the top earner. Got it. 
So just to get a better understanding of the business, I just have no idea. Uh, the, the more popular the girl, the more money they make, I'm assuming? Yeah, for the most part. And Jennifer didn't stand out? I don't really feel comfortable talking bad about Jennifer. Oh, no. It's, I, she worked here. She was great. She wasn't the most popular, but she did all right. Okay. Then... Do you know who drove her that night of her death? Nope. Jay would know. In fact, it probably was Jade. Okay. And, oh yeah, uh, so we were told about a private event and that Jennifer had left that event early. Do you know anything about that? Nope, that doesn't sound familiar. Uh, supposedly this happened while they were at a hotel. She, then she recognized someone. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Okay, well, it's just that Jennifer seemed to react strangely. Sorry and... to cut you off, but I actually am not at liberty to say anything about those events. Okay. See, the thing like is... Like I said, I can't talk about that and don't know anything about it. So unless you have any questions around other things, then I'm done. So, I, I, okay, I, I'm hearing you. I just want you to understand this is actually the main reason for the interview. Was we needed to get some clarity. Sorry, I can't help you there. I'm sorry, but I, I really need this. Yeah, I don't understand how you're not getting this. But you should go, man. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for stopping by. So the tape cut here, and normally the rules were one tape per interview, with each labeled with the name and the date. We didn't find out why or how this system was put into place, but we assume it was just to keep things organized. So we were very surprised when the taping continued, just a few moments after it stopped initially. All right, this is Finn Graham with, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm here in person with Jade. It's 9, 9.16 p.m. I will be conducting this interview from my car. Um, do you mind stating your name and association with the victim? Uh, I'm Alexis Jones, her friend. But I will be referring to her by her stage name, Jade. Right, okay, and so... So I was an, another dancer at the Kitty Club by Chastity. This was Jade. Jade had just clocked in and was eavesdropping in on the conversation that Finn was having with B. After hearing the conversation, she decided that she didn't care about getting in trouble with B. After all, it could have been her found dead in the trunk of a car. Oh, and although it's not mentioned in the tape, it turns out that another dancer, Misty, had driven Jennifer to work the day she died. Yep, I mean, that's what she told me, too. Gotcha. So then about the uh, the private events? I mean, yeah, we have different kinds, but the one you want is the one Chastity freaked out at, so... Yes, the, uh, the one you attended with Jennifer when she recognized someone. Okay. What do you want to know? Everything you can tell me. I mean, I can tell you everything, but... Can you ask a question so I know what to kind of, like, talk about? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, okay. <laughs> Sorry. How long do these private events last? Okay, well, they usually just last one evening, but, I mean, sometimes they're for, like, two nights. And uh, you sleep with them? Fuck no. I'm a stripper, not a hooker. Right, excuse me. Sorry, so do, uh, would you mind going through the process? 
like from when we get to the hotel or start with how you find out about the event and just go from there okay i mean i could do that so b will tell us that we got hired for one of these events He'll tell the girls they requested or the ones he wants to go and then give us the dates of the events. I mean, it's usually like a two-month warning. So then I, like, agreed to do it because, I mean, it's good money. How much money? Well, these guys, they do a grand each night. Oh, wow. Okay, uh, continue. So then, like, we get to the hotel on the day. Just nothing in between? Well, B might remind us about it, but that's about it. Mm. So we, like, get to the hotel and... Well, we, I'm sorry, what's the name of the hotel? I mean, it changes almost every time. Which hotel did you go to when Jennifer had to be picked up? Oh, that was Hotel Quartz. Quartz. Thank you. Uh, continue. So we have to dress regular and not come in all at once, you know, because... Um, so you just... Walk straight to the elevator, you go to the top floor. Why is it always the top floor? Well, yeah, I mean, these guys rent out the penthouse, like the suites, every time. And that's usually on the top floor. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, so then, where was I um, Oh, so, okay, so we go to the top floor, right? Mm-hmm. So then we go to the room, knock, get let in. Go get changed in the bathroom. Do you, do you get to wear whatever you like, or do you have to wear something specific? Um, or? It depends, mm -hmm. but usually it's up to us. I mean, the only thing is they always have us wear masks. So. Uh, like Venetian masks? Yeah, I think that's what they call it. Yeah, Venetian. <laughs> I didn't even know what it's called. <laughs> um, like the kind that go over your eyes, and, you know, only, like... They, like, from England or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're talking about the same thing. <laughs> yeah, so they have us wear those. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much, like, the only thing they have us do. Okay. So then what happens? Well, we come in one by one. Uh -huh. We get changed and then go to the main room where all the guys at drunk and, like, throwing singles and, you know, doing the whole stripper thing. So besides it being anonymous, is it a normal strip show? Yeah, I mean, basically. Oh, I mean, they definitely try and get you drunk and, you know, have a sleepover, but... Mm-hmm. Is this one abnormal for a gig outside the club? I guess not. I mean, it's just that these guys have more money than, you know, most people like the regular person. How old are they, the clientele? Usually older, like 50s, but I've seen like maybe a 30 year old guy once. So, how do you think Jennifer recognized someone with the mask on? Well, it doesn't cover up that much, you know, and, and you can still hear their voice. Oh, so. right. Makes sense. And plus, you know, she came up to me before I had gone up, so she probably saw them in the lobby. Oh, right. Duh. And how often would these events happen? Oh, like every two months. One wouldn't happen to be coming up, like, soon, would it? Yeah, actually, it's not this Friday. Uh, yeah, it's going to be um, the one after this Friday, so next Friday. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Uh, which hotel? 
I think it's the Emory Hotel near downtown. And and that's on the uh, the 18th, Friday the 18th. Yeah, I mean it's on a Friday. Right. And this is where we'll end part two of the troubling trial of Henry Watts, justice for Jay. Tune in next week for the third and final installment of the case. As always, we'd like to thank you for your continued support. We really do appreciate it. It's exciting to see this thing grow. If you'd like to support us further, please go to whatever podcasting app you're using to listen and leave a positive review. We love seeing them, and it really does help us out immensely. And if you really love the show, look for us on Patreon. We really want to keep doing this and would love for this to be a full-time focus. If you want more of us, please follow us at at Nicholas M. Sato. That's M as in ministry and at Antonius Nazareth, like the largest district in Israel. Or contact us at themarnieblaketapes at gmail.com or on Instagram under the same handle. Editing by Nicholas Sato and Antonius Nazareth. Music by Antonius Nazareth. And special thanks to Mallory Blick and Gianna.